raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. Good morning. It is Thursday, December 29th. It is six minutes after 10. This is the Kendall and Casey Show on 93 WIBC. And Tony Kinnett is filling in for Rob Kendall today, who is uh, on vacation. And Tony, this segment is designed for you. This is straight in your wheelhouse. And we're going to talk about education and some stories that are going on. Changes to the K-12 through curriculum, increased access to early childhood education, and a response to Indiana's ongoing teacher shortage. These are the top things that Indiana lawmakers say they are going to address in the 23 legislative session when that begins real soon. Uh, yeah, I mean, there there should be some things that the Indiana legislators actually do regarding education rather than holding eight-hour-long testimony sessions where people say one of two things over and over and over again. The first and foremost of all of these is that teacher licensure in Indiana should be completely disbanded. It should be completely disbanded. There is no reason the state of Indiana's Department of Education should be deciding who does and does not get to teach in the classroom. That is what the local school board is for. Every school system in the state of Indiana should be allowed to determine what it is that makes you good enough to teach in their school system, whether that's a specific kind of degree, whether that's a test you have to take, whatever. It should not be the INDOE giving you a massively expensive test by Pearson, the largest bureaucratic garbage dump of a corporation ever, that determines whether or not you're good enough to teach. You shouldn't have to sit through a number of meetings every year on woke nonsense to be a teacher. That should be up to the local school board. That would solve a huge part of the teacher shortage. Okay, something else that's going on is that Republican lawmakers have hinted at a return of the curriculum transparency bill. Ah, yes. HB 1134. Yeah. Talk to us about that. So HB 1134 failed last time because they cobbled 22 different things together in one bill, and it was garbage. Uh, Instead of focusing on a few smaller bills that are much harder to tackle uh, in an opposition perspective, we hot glued everything together like a really bad DIY life hack video. Well, let's tell everybody what the bill is about. It, it seeks to prohibit sexually explicit content in school library books. Yeah, the, the, the kind of a piece from the last bill mm-hmm. last year, the one that I was just ragging on, uh, that is now hopefully being put forward as its own bill is a version of Florida's uh, 1557, which was that no sexually explicit or sexually focused content of any kind is allowed to be in the curriculum K through three. Now, I think it should be like a lot further up than third grade. That's just me. I don't think sexual content should really be in elementary schools at all. Uh, But that is the bill. The funny thing is, Indy Star reported on this Mm -hmm. and called it a don't say gay bill. So this is the parental rights and education bill. Yeah. The idea that you should be able to decide what it is that your kids have uh, exposure to or Mm -hmm. or are exposed to in schools. Shocking concept, I know, that parents should get to decide what happens with their kids. But that is what Republicans in Indiana are suggesting enshrining, which is good. So the Indiana Capital Chronicle is reporting it's not really clear where Holcomb stands on these, although he did tell them that he's going to entertain a variety of bills in the next session and that he wants to be very pragmatic about what he signs, uh, but he didn't say, you know, nothing's 
too hot to touch. Yeah, uh, you know, kudos to the Indiana Capitol Chronicle for, you know, interviewing the governor and not calling it a don't say gay bill. It's a shame that the Indiana Capitol Chronicle didn't interview anyone in favor of the legislation in an activist or an education expert setting. Uh, You would think that a journalist would do all of the research instead of some of it. Yes, that is me throwing some shade directly at the Indiana Capitol Chronicle. (laughs) I just, I think they should have done a better job with that story. Well, Indy Starr called it the don't say gay bill. Well, yeah, Indy Starr's worse, but I mean, you know, I, I can bake you a pie that is completely awful and it still tastes better than dog crap. I mean, you know, it just, I don't know. I, I think that State Affairs and the Indy Star and the Indiana Capital Chronicle are all kind of cut from the same garbage cloth. That's just me. Another story that's happening is the Indiana Department of Education wants $100 million to provide for more resources for new English learners. So this is doubling the budget. So I actually was just quoted in a book that's coming out pretty soon out of Texas that talks about the English as a second language program Mm -hmm. as a whole. Uh, Basically, uh, Thomas Sowell goes, Thomas Sowell's a very great uh, political philosopher, brilliant guy. If you haven't read anything by Thomas Sowell, you really should go pick up something and read something by him. He is a phenomenal author and a, a brilliant mind. Uh, He made a case back in the 90s that there's kind of a new fad that comes out every 10 or so years. And in the 90s and the 2000s, English as a second language or or Spanish to English programs were a really big deal in schools. And the idea is that if we just throw enough money, this should sound familiar to you, Mm. if we just throw enough money at Mm -hmm. these programs, then these kids will do remarkably better. And all of the kids who are speaking Spanish will start to speak perfect and fluent English. Only that didn't really happen because all of these programs that started out teaching kids to speak English instead of a, a the language that was their origin point stopped being focused on getting kids to English and started becoming just cultural back padding. You're really special because you're from somewhere different. Okay, what does that have to do with, you know, actually teaching the kids of Indiana English? Which, by the way, the majority of Hispanic parents in Indiana, whom I have spoken to, speaking fluent Spanish myself, are very, very ardent about their kids being expertly fluent Mm -hmm. in English, better than their American national counterparts because they want them to succeed. They want them to participate in the economy. And they're not getting that. So the Indiana Department of Education is like, well, we'll just add another hundred million on top of it. We're not going to analyze whether the programs are working. We're not going to analyze whether we actually should be giving more money to this. We're just going to slap some more money on it and say that's solving it. That is a pathetic way to run an education system. It shows that our state superintendent has no idea what she's doing. Okay. Well, another uh, leg of this is that these fifth through eighth graders fell behind, especially in English, because of the lockdowns and not being at school. So part of this is, okay, these people help perpetuate this problem, and now they're asking for more money to fix it. I mean, yeah. I mean, this this makes sense, though. They're like, well, actually, Hispanic students, they suffered more in English as a second language being locked up in their homes. Yeah, that makes sense. If I speak Spanish and my parents speak Spanish and I am locked at home with my Spanish speaking parents for two years, guess what I am going to be speaking a lot more of during the day? The one that's easy and comfortable. Shocker, I know. So the idea that, well, we need to increase the money because these students are, of course, they're further behind. Maybe we create a separate program, a summer program, an on work program like other countries do for language immersion that works successfully. Sweden does this. Russia. Russia does this. Turkey does this. Several African nations do this. Several Western European countries do work-related language immersion programs. 
excuse me, and they're very successful. We don't do that. We just pay some 23-year-old who graduated from Ball State to come in and awkwardly not really speak Spanish correctly to the kid. It's like, oh, como te llamas, Charlie? And the kid has no idea what she's saying because she doesn't know what she's doing. We're just going to give her more money. Mm -hmm. That'll fix it. Mm. Uh, it's pathetic. Uh, one last story. It's the Kendall and Casey show on 93 WIBC talking with Tony Kinnett. And this is for this is from the everybody gets a participation trophy category. This is a top ranked school allegedly delayed notify, notifying students of their national academic honors in the name of equity. So and some of the, some of these kids were notified that they won or they were honored too late to put it on their college <clears throat> admittance resume. Which is awful because getting into certain colleges is every single bit a competition. For example, Mm -hmm. the United States Military Academy at West Point, which I received an offer of admission to. It was a very fierce competition to get into that school. I had to work my tail off every single day, and I badgered the ladies at the secretary desk at my small Christian high school in Muncie almost every day at one month of February on whether they would get my academic honors stuff to me so that I could get it to West Point. I understand exactly what's going on that, oh, well, you know, there's someone who's not as smart as you and you don't want them to feel bad. So mm-hmm. we're not going to give you your award. That, that it, It's so pathetic how much we are enshrining the value of mediocrity in this country over meritocracy. It's the dumbing down of America. So the school said they wanted to recognize students as individuals, not their achievements. As if the two could be separated. Aren't their achievements who they are as individuals? There were several individuals in my high school, several individuals in my college. Heck, when, when I was on the factory floor at Draper, several other men and women who were far better at things that I was also doing. Mm-hmm. They were far better than me at those mm-hmm. things. It never bothered me. They're just, they're better at that. That right. man, that woman can do something better than I can. All right, cool. Good on you. And if you get an award for it, great. Learn to accept it. On my more humble days, I was thinking maybe I can glean a little bit off of them. Mm-hmm. And on my most prideful and arrogant days, I just put in an earbud and went back to work. I don't understand. I mean, there's some part of this that you kind of get where the woke are coming from, but like punishing kids for getting the honor roll. Really? Like Mm -hmm. that's where we are. I I just, I can't make my brain connect to it. And some of these students were told that they were honored just a a paper on their desk. It wasn't uh, any fanfare, nothing. And had they not been paying attention, they may not have even known that they were getting this award. To your point, life's not equal. There's always somebody who's going to be smarter, faster, taller, richer, better. Uh, and I, to, to make this, uh, to put this in an athletic sense, and I don't mean like the, the NBA example everyone else uses, uh, I am good at doing crunches. I am. I can, I used to do a lot of crunches. <laughs> I'm good at them. However, I have just a little bit of a gut in front of my, I have worked for years to get rid of the gut that is in front of my abs. I can't do it. I just can't. I've tried all of the different stuff. I can do all of the crunches in the world. I can't get rid of it. Yet I go to the gym and there are guys that have like the Hawaiian roll six packs right mm-hmm. there, like mm-hmm. honey glazed, really muscular. I'll never be that good. No matter how hard I were, I can't seem to get rid of the spot. Okay. Shucks. I, I guess I'll have to get up and live another day. If he gets an award for looking better than I do, I'll, man, I'll just have to get out of bed the next morning. <laughs> wow. What a shame. Yeah. That's the way it is. Uh, just accept it. It is 17 minutes after 10. This is the Kendall and Casey show on 93 WIBC. Raise a spoon to grandma who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the play play slide. 
have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. St. Jude treats children across the country and around the world, regardless of color, creed, or financial capability, because they're committed to love and care for their neighbors. Join me in helping St. Jude give every child with cancer the chance they deserve to survive. Together, we can save more lives. Call now to become a partner in hope. 1-800-411-9898. That's 1-800-411-9898. I'm so sorry you have just reached my answering machine. It is 20 minutes after 10. This is the Kendall and Casey Show on 93 WIBC. Tony Kinnett is filling in today for Rob, who's on vacation. But we got a lot of phone calls yesterday, so I thought we could get to some of those. 317-684-8444. That is the phone number. So at one point yesterday, uh, when Brian Baker was filling in, uh, Brian and I believe Nigel was in here. He got into this big conversation about movies and uh, Nigel was talking about going to see Puss in Boots and Brian commented how he thinks that superhero movies are done and somebody called in and had an opinion on this so let's take a listen yeah I was just calling to say that I completely disagree with Brian Baker's assessment on superhero movies Uh, they're not done they're getting better and better for the most part Uh, (laughs) James Gunn just took over the DC movies, so they're going to be awesome now. Uh, the reason why Black Panther is a dud is because Chadwick Bosman's not in it. He obviously passed away, uh, and people weren't really wanting to see the movie. It kind of became a, what's the point if he's not in it? And they didn't recast the character. They killed off the character, and then supposedly at the end they make his son have the same last, same name as him, which is stupid. It was poorly written, and I think word of mouth got out that it was poorly written, and also people didn't want to see it. So, super movies are just fine, Brian. Stick to p- politics. Okay, no, he's he's very much wrong, and here's oh, why. Oh, he's no. wrong. He's, he's, he's not I even, th- like, close to being right. I, I thought it's, that was a very well-thought-out phone call. No, it's horrible. He, he put some, some thought into it. Yeah, why? Okay, uh, well, what's he has problem? one rabbit trail. He's talking about, like, he made an excuse for why Black Panther was not as bad as everyone else like thought it was. Superhero movies after the like after uh, Infinity War, like mm-hmm. whenever when Thanos the last one, right? It, it, it's done. Yeah, like uh, that's there have been no good superhero movies since then. Talk about new directors. Oh, but they're they're gonna be good. No, they're not. The same writing is getting worse and worse. Although a, a TV show, She Hulk was horrible. The new Doctor Strange movie was also awful. There's not really any direction anymore. They're they're just kind of making superhero movies just to kind of make them now because the special effects can kind of carry them. Mm-hmm. And you're kind of getting uh, I, Kev. I think that the thing I'm thinking of is like prequel Star Wars stuff. They started doing things with CG. Just to do them, and everyone's like, "Okay, but like, where's the plot? Where's the story? Like, what drew you to Iron Man wasn't the cool rockets shooting out of his hands. It was that there was a story of redemption and like really good writing. People oh, really? watch movies. I was drawn for... to it for Robert Downey Jr., but go ahead. I'll allow it. I will <laughs> allow it. The man looks good. He does. That aside, people watch movies and like movies for good writing and stories. It captivates the imagination of mankind. We're not getting that anymore. We're just getting lights. We're getting keys dangling in front of a toddler. Mm-hmm. A shiny new object. They're not getting better. Yeah. He never mentioned anything about the plot. of the, Well, but the plot was still good. He never mentioned that. Why? Because the plot was garbage. He made excuses about why it wasn't as bad that you thought it was, yet he never brought up why the movie was good. Mm-hmm. He didn't list good superhero movies. 
I I agree with you after the Infinity Wars and that finale scene, which was what an hour long in and of itself. It was like that that was the grand finale, and we're done here with this. All of these guys. They even managed to do the whole time travel gag without it being really awful, which is a very difficult trick to pull off. And then that's it. It just it. it we don't need to do all of the. Just it, it keeps going, and it, it's it's weird, and there's not really any reason or plot. Like you have to keep raising the stakes. You can't really raise the stakes past everyone or half the universe died. I, I don't know. I just I don't think that there's that much energy behind superhero movies anymore. I think it's a fad that's passed. All right. We also got into a conversation yesterday about the Wizard of Oz because one of the hourglasses in the movie The Wizard of Oz sold at auction for heritage auctions for half a million dollars. And I, I I couldn't get behind it. You can spend your money on whatever you want. Some people buy Twitter. Some people buy The Washington Post. Uh, apparently, this person nice. bought a uh, hourglass for half a million dollars. And uh, somebody called a comment about that. Hey, Casey, I was just listening on podcast on iHeartRadio about the Wizard of Oz um, hourglass. Now, believe me, I am a huge fan of old musicals, and if I had Elon Musk FU money, (laughs) I would definitely have dropped a half a million dollars on that iconic piece of movie history. Just letting you know. I got I got to be real. At first, I was getting ready to say, yeah, spending your money on that is stupid. But if I was a fan of something and I had, as he puts it, mm-hmm. Elon Musk, stupid F you money. Yeah. You know, just throwing out money to spend it on that. Sure. You know, it's your money. If you want to blow it on something like that, yeah. you feel free to. I, I would build a roller coaster in my house with yeah. that money. That's me. I, I would build a roller coaster in my house. I'd probably, b- that, you know, that'd be cool. That that would be fun. Uh, I would, I would probably buy some really high end sports car that I could only drive a couple times a year. You know, it would sit mostly, but that's the thing. A lot of these people look at that as an investment where they're going to turn it around and resell it at some point, like we do with baseball cards and magazines. I just <laughs> thought it, it's, it's a one of 17. So it's not even a pop one of one. This is just one of 17 hourglasses. I, I, I had to point out a YouTube comment in the live stream that says uh, the Wizard of Oz hourglass sale proves that time is money. <laughs> very, very good. That's very clever. Very good. Okay, we've got uh, uh, Rob Kendall is going to join us. Not in the studio. We woke him up. We called him. We said, come on, dude. Uh, everybody misses you. So we're going to check in with him coming up from 93 WIBC. Well, they blew up a chicken man in Philly last night. Now they blew up his 93 WIBC. It is the Kendall and Casey show, and Rob Kendall has been on vacation. Tony Kinnett is filling in for him. But, oh my goodness, we decided to disturb his leisure and call him anyway. Good morning, Rob Kendall. How are you? Can I just say the Tony Kennett Ryan Martin feud yesterday on Twitter was my entire day. That's all I did. I watched Tony and Ryan Martin feud on Twitter all day. It was great. You really need to find better things to do with your time. <laughs> he, was, he was so mad at you, and it was great. I just kept refreshing my feed all day. Thank you, Tony. So uh, not only besides um, watching Tony Kennett's argument on Twitter, you've been watching a lot of Yellowstone, apparently. This is the most overrated show in the history of ever. (laughs) And I had heard so much about this show. And so I said, okay, I've got uh, whatever it is, 
two weeks, basically. I can make my way through it. It's on Peacock. You can watch them one right after another. And two episodes in, you realize this is just a remake of Dallas. Like, basically, every character on Yellowstone is a character on Dallas, and I have no idea why people are this into this show. I liked Dallas. What's wrong with that? Well, there's nothing wrong with Dallas. Dallas was fine because it was the original, but this is this is a ripoff, a reincarnation of Dallas. And I don't know if it's just, and it's like older people too, right? It's, like, it's not like younger people who would say, well, I have no idea Dallas even existed. It's people who have said, oh yeah, I saw Dallas. They're the same characters, Casey, Tony, mm. the same people. I mean, like, that doesn't necessarily make it bad though. I mean, I'm not, not in defense of Yellowstone here, but I mean, How I Met Your Mother is basically a remake of Friends. It's All of the characters are pretty much the same, just slightly altered, but that doesn't make it a bad show. Yeah, but if you are just stealing from someone else, like the ah. Casey character in Yellowstone is Bobby Ewing. Beth Dutton basically is J.R. Ewing. The Kevin Costner character is Jock Ewing. They're all just stolen characters from Dallas. And here's the thing, Casey. My wife started looking into these characters on Yellowstone, mm-hmm. and the lady who is the main Native American character isn't even a Native American. <laughs> She's got the Elizabeth Warren complex, huh? <laughs> so if you're going to lecture me on how bad Native Americans were treated, if you're going to lecture me on how bad we are, if you're going to do whole episodes on how terrible Columbus was to the Native Americans, maybe you should, I don't know, be a Native American. So I've got my, uh, I have my actual tribal affiliation card with the Cherokee Nation. Are you suggesting I go be a Native American woman on Yellowstone? Because I'm, I'm down for that. I think you would be more realistic than she would be. And now every time I watch an episode, that is the first thing my wife yells at me is, what is she doing? She's not even a Native American. You know, they do have their mid-season finale coming up. Wait, a mid-season <laughs> finale? Yes, yes, that's Wait, what, what we come to. The mid-season finale. It's just not the season finale. It's not the show finale. It's the mid-season finale. <laughs> Next season, All My Children, it's all finales. Every episode is a finale. <laughs> okay, so uh, you're not recommending Yellowstone? Not even for the eye candy? Well, look, if you want Uber, if you if, you're, if your ambition in life, and when it comes to television viewing, it was you sat down and said, I want an uber-liberal, woke version of Dallas Recreated, then you will love Yellowstone. That will be all for you. Now, here's the problem. I'm in the vortex now mm. where I can't get out of it because mm-hmm. I was, you know, two seasons in before I fight. Because, you know, I'm a fair person. Mm-hmm. Yes. You know, I'm very fair, and yes. I didn't want to jump the gun, and I didn't want people to say, well, Rob didn't give it a chance. So I'm two seasons in, so now I think I've wasted this much time on Christmas break, and unless Tony's going to get in another feud with a local journalist today, <laughs> I have nothing else left to do. Well, don't count your chickens. <laughs> it is early. There's plenty of time for that. My favorite thing about Tony is he gets in this intense feud with a local journalist, and then at the end he goes, hey, I'd like to buy you breakfast and discuss this with oh, you. Oh, absolutely. Even, even the there's there's one lady who uh, uh, who made a uh, not-so-veiled uh, threat of violence, and she has, like, big, huge, baggy, saggy arms, so I don't know exactly what fish she'd be swinging. I absolutely would sit down and have coffee with her. That would be the most entertaining thing on earth. Uh, Casey, Tony, I have a question for you, because yeah. Casey and I were going back and forth on this yesterday. Um, when is it, when is it, when are you out of taste if you still have your Christmas lights up? Where, where are you guys at on that? Mm. When snow disappears or 
or the end of January. End of January. See, yeah. you know, I think that it's uh, January 6th. When the oh. 12 days of Christmas are over, after the epiphany's gone, that's when you need to bring it down. Because really? it used to it used to be when I was a kid, my parents used to tell me if, if your lights were up after Elvis's birthday, right? Then you were then you were being tacky if you still had. Who's keeping track of Elvis's birthday? When's his birthday? Isn't it the eighth or the ninth? Yes, yeah, January eighth, I think, is Elvis's birthday. Yeah, so, so I, your I was close, January sixth. Yeah, yeah. Here's my thing, though. So I, I don't know, I don't know when you guys put yours up, but we did ours. I think the day after Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. That's a solid month. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's fair. Whenever you, I think that should be the standard. Whenever you put the lights up, you have one month because there is no person who (laughs) needs to have their lights up or their house decorated Mm -hmm. for more than one solid month. Now, I've heard a lot of people who keep a tree up year round if they have a member of the military who is deployed and they're waiting for them to come home. I think that's an acceptable reason to keep it up longer than the norm. Yeah, and that's fine. But you know who does this? And they're, and, and they're, they're, it's not because of a member of the military. Micah's house. Micah <laughs> has a tree up in his house year-round. So, yes, that's fine. If it rep- represents someone or something, yes, absolutely. God bless the members I... of our military. But, but you know the people. There are people who just leave this stuff up all year for I, no reason. I have an alternative suggestion. First of all, I, I absolutely reject inflatable or wire decorations of any kind outside Same. the home. You're an adult. <laughs> Stop putting up cheap plastic toys from Big Lots in your yard. It's very tacky. I don't care what season it is. Looking at you, weird <laughs> Halloween-obsessed people. Uh, but more so, if you have like a simple string of like white lights like that's just on the fascia, like underneath the gutter, like around your roof... I think that's fine to stay up through the winter because it's not just like a Christmas decoration. If it's like a simple string of white lights, Mm -hmm. it just adds like a little bit of nuance to a snowy winter night. Now, wait a minute. Christmas tree is different. Tony Kinnett, I just have to argue with you for just a second about this. Donald Trump is America's most influential interior designer. He has told us that many times. This is exterior design, though, if you have a string of lights outside the home. Uh, <laughs> Did you quick, take your before, tree down, Rob? Oh yeah, I took it all down the, two days after Christmas. Said so it's got to go. We've 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 been up for a month. We got to go. It's got to take it. Got to take it down. And didn't the um, space feel bigger? Oh yes, absolutely. And you pointed that out. It's absolutely true. It feels like you have added on to your home mm-hmm. when you get rid of your in, interior Christmas decorations. Real quick, yeah. I have to make this point too because I saw this yesterday and I noticed, and I put this up on at Robin Kendall on Twitter. If you'd like to see it for yourself. Can we talk about the ad that Victoria Sparks was running on social media in which – so this is from her. So she's a U.S. representative, 5th Congressional District. She's going to be running for U.S. Senate. She's running what appears to be a taxpayer-funded ad because it says paid for by Representative Victoria Sparks, not Sparks for Senate, not Sparks for U.S. House. In her official act as a U.S. representative, a paid ad on Facebook in which she was asking people, should we defend and protect – the Second Amendment to the U.S. Constitution. Mm. And I pointed out on this, first of all, this is why our nation's going broke, because our government spends so much money, and these representatives, this is legalized campaigning with taxpayer dollars in which they run these ads, and they have so little to talk about, and there's so little they actually care about, that the only question they can come up with, as a Republican who professes to be a conservative, should I protect and defend the Second Amendment? But that doesn't even make... Wait, aren't you sworn to, like, don't you swear an oath to protect the Constitution when you take office? Yes, yes. It's so wholly ridiculous. 
And then the second part of this that I love is, so I called her out, and then within, by this morning, she's now running a new ad on social media uh, <laughs> where she's asking you to take a survey. So if you ever doubt the reach of us, Casey, mm-hmm. you have influence. Show, or, or what we do here, just remember, and you can see it for yourself if you think I'm making it up, at Robin Kendall, we actually made a U.S. congressperson change the disgusting taxpayer-funded ad that she was running on social media. Wow. All right. Uh, Rob Kendall, thank you so much for uh, joining us this morning, and I can't wait for you to get back here on Tuesday where we're going to kick off 2023 in style, right? Happy New Year to everyone. Tony, thanks for filling in. Casey, uh, you've done a phenomenal job with the show this week, and uh, Kevin, stay out of trouble. Hey, uh, one last thing, Rob. Merry Christmas. Happy birthday and yeah. happy new year. Yeah, thank you. It is the Kendall and Casey Show. It's 93 WIBC. Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. When St. Jude opened in 1962, childhood cancer was considered incurable. Since then, St. Jude has helped push the overall survival rate from 20% to more than 80%. St. Jude won't stop until no child dies from cancer. Join me today in supporting St. Jude by calling 1-800-411-9898. That's 1-800-411-9898 to become a partner in hope. Your gift to St. Jude could last a lifetime. It is the Kendall and Casey show on 93 WIBC. Nigel is joining us in the studio. Tony Kennett is also filling in for Rob today. Yeah. Okay, so let's talk about what's going on. I believe you guys were talking about this when I first started. So catch me up to base. And I'm talking about the military bases that housed the Afghan refugees. And you you guys said that a lot of damage happened and then you got... (laughs) <laughs> a lot of people well, said, no. What happened over the summer, you know, after uh, Joe Biden completely, um, you know, r- ruined the, the debacle, the Afghan, you know, pulling the troops out of Afghanistan. We right. had a ton of refugees that came over yeah, to the United Yeah, children States. and families chasing after those planes. Yes, exactly. So so we had about 7,000 Afghan refugees come to Camp Atterbury. And the sources that Hammer was hearing from, personal sources on on the ground, Camp Atterbury was saying Mm -hmm. it's a disaster here. It's complete havoc, chaos, fights, destruction, damage, blah, 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 blah. And so he just merely reported what his sources on the ground working at Camp Atterbury were saying. As a journalist would do. <laughs> As a journalist. We were not even journalists. We weren't reporting it as fact. There were some other people that, that, that he was in contact with and said, no, not, not all of this is true, what he was saying. So long story short, we did that segment. And then <laughs> later that day, we get home and Channel 13's running a hit piece on the show saying how we were all wrong. We're a bunch of liars. And they interviewed, of course, the people that were in charge at Camp Atom. Oh, because were, the people who but, are in charge always tell yeah. you all of the dirty stuff <laughs> that's going on in an operation. Oh, smooth reporting, WTHR. And, my, and actually, my wife and I were watching that piece on Channel 3. I had no idea because they didn't contact us. They didn't contact comment. you for contact. Wait, <laughs> the thing that journalists are supposed to <laughs> yeah, do? Bob Siegel, what? the guy that dives in dumpsters and looks for pharmacy prescriptions and stuff like Couldn't that. Couldn't dive <laughs> to his phone and call you? <laughs> didn't call. So we called him. 
And you know, Bob, get on the air with us. What is? What are you doing with this story? And he asked his, you know, to his credit, he asked management, a THR, if he could come on with us, and they. They wouldn't let him. Oh yeah, because wow. station so, I mean, managers are chickens. Yeah, so not so our so station anyway. manager. I I I love so, Matt. So, Matt's the only non-chicken in the business. Yeah. So now the story comes out uh, last week of how the Pentagon's giving Camp Atterbury mm-hmm. sixteen million dollars. Yeah. To Wait. repair the damages uh, of from the Afghan refugees that were caused uh, by their time staying there. Sixteen million dollars. Yeah, well, they say that these military bases incurred almost two hundred sixty million dollars yeah. in. Damages. Across the country. Yeah. So apparently everything wasn't fine there. It wasn't just a bunch of kids and families playing soccer yeah. out on that. But of course, because Hammerhead sources, we were fear mongering and so, racist. So WTHR is going to issue a correction, right? They're going to they're going to issue an apology. <laughs> well, we're going to see an article from WTHR that says we're sorry that we were wrong, that we lied, and I mean, that look, we. Basically, what? That's slander yeah, against your character. They, they, they just smeared the show. They, my wife goes, they mentioned Hammer in this story a lot more than they did you. <laughs> That's what she got out of it. I go, well, they were his sources. I personally talked to sources that mm-hmm. were uh, there that didn't even want to be mentioned and didn't want me to, was telling me some things so specific that if I would have relayed those on the air that would have gotten back to the person. Outed it, it would have outed them uh, yeah. anonymously. So, so um, we're, we're, you know, we're going to get Hammer on the phone today at some point. And, and talk about this. I think that I mean it kind of really upset him because we never presented anything as fact. We're just saying, hey, we our got sources say that this, this is, is what is being told. We're going to make it up out of thin air. Yeah, and I mean this is something that I deal with in education all the time. I have parents who don't want their kids to be at risk because the parent came and exposed something that they thought was important enough that mm-hmm. other parents should know. Yeah, and so they're like, well, how do you know that's really a true source? And it's like, well, I'm filing a FOIA, but if I say a parent reported this to me and you don't like it, that doesn't make me wrong or a fear monger. That just means that I'm using a source that doesn't want their kid targeted, you right. weirdo. Yeah. And by the way, I, I, I'm glad, you know, the families, our allies, I'm, I'm glad they got help. I'm glad they got out of that hellhole in Afghanistan. I think it was Because it was and it. is a hellhole. And, and, and you know, there were people left behind. But <laughs> you take 7,000 people. I mean, one of the most disturbing parts of this story that came out last week is that, you know, operations were, uh, you know, the National Guard couldn't use Camp Atterbury. Mm-hmm. They had to switch up their operations and use um, and training and uh, drills. In, they had to go to Kentucky because right. the, the the place was so damaged by the the refugees going on there. Well, the, it the, says the, the sheer volume of people in the housing left the barracks in wear yeah. and tear. Look, I mean, that's you, a lot of wear take, and tear for you, sixteen million. You, now. you take seven thousand people from Martinsville and put them in a cave in Afghanistan. There's going to be a lot of problems. Also. So I seem you know, to remember, so, so, I mean, Indiana basketball for years, if you had a visiting team come to your school and it was a, like a tough rivalry, you could expect the visiting team locker room to be trashed. <laughs> Seriously, that's a thing that has happened repeatedly. If you put people in an area and cram them in there and something happens, you can expect damages. Yeah, that's not well, a racist thing to say. Well, that's rivalry, though. I mean, you know, what 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 was it's the... a stressful situation, okay. I guess I should and say. Clearly, they were in a stressful situation. Do you feel vindicated? Do you feel that well, the Hammer I, and Nigel show deserves an apology? I don't. Do, I'm, I'm not asking for an oh, apology. I'll say it. I, 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 I'll demand it for you. I got <laughs> you, buddy. You no, know, I don't think Hammer does. He, I mean, I'm sure he probably does. But I mean, just the fact that they did an entire news piece and it was out there pushed digitally on their website for days. 
uh, mentioning the show in a disparaging manager, uh, manner when we were just, mm-hmm. again, we're not making stuff up out of thin air. He had multiple sources working at that place saying, yeah, things are not fine here at all. And then they do a story. Oh, and they, again, Tony, they talked to the guys in charge. Oh, yeah. This isn't the first time. They've done this before. When I did the Hamilton Southeastern story, they're like, well, we asked the superintendent at Hamilton Southeastern and they assured us everything is fine. Nothing is wrong. And it's like, oh, wow, that's that's some real reporting you did there, Fido. Good work. (laughs) Hey, Nigel, what do you think about Biden's holiday location? It looks pretty amazing. What is it, the Saint Croix? Yeah, Virgin Islands. Yeah, it, it's it's a huge place. It's uh, in ground pool, landscaping, sweeping he, views, direct his, beach access. Did he take his grandson with him from Arkansas? I'm wondering if if because I the just whole read family's today, with him. I, yeah, I but he had this. yeah, but he had to fly Southwest. <laughs> so they're still waiting on him. No, he's not there yet. No, he's a deadbeat grandpa, by the way. I mean, did, did you see the story about how the stripper in Arkansas is requesting to change her name to Biden that Hunter Biden had the kid with? Right. That they what? have no contact with. That that Hunter Biden well, was. They forced, ignore him. They ignore like him. Not, it's disgusting. It's yeah. despicable. So I, that's why I was wondering if maybe that's the, the grandkid you're wondering if he went. If the, if the grandkid got to go to them with the Virgin Islands. Oh. Oh my gosh. But this, uh, this, the Nevilles made this, uh, they're donors to the Bidens, right? So they made this huge the donation. Nevels, yeah, yeah, the Nevilles. They yeah. made a donation, darling. Uh, and they were on the guest list for the state dinner. And then really? a couple weeks later, the Bidens are off to St. Croix, staying in their place. Oh, no room <laughs> for the Nevilles. <laughs> I no, see how that works. Yeah. I see how that works. Yeah. Sure. I mean, Just in get the middle- to know some really rich people that have you know in the middle of a border crisis severe mm-hmm. southern See, border crisis in the middle of southwest airlines uh, t- tanking in the middle of a, a giant uh, winter storm the biden's take off but for at least he's not playing golf my god oh, i mean you know he could well, be playing golf i i mean that would just be a world every, crisis in every and golf itself. every golf trip trump took Every golf outing, whether it was in you know Washington D.C. or Mar-a-Lago or wherever, was reported. Yeah, you could like I turn on believe. MSNBC; they'd be singing "Jesus Take the Wheel." It was terrible. He's been uh, Biden's been on vacation more than he's been in the White House. <laughs> he was underground yeah. his entire presidential campaign, calling yeah, lids at eight thirty a.m. Now he said that he's going to uh, make a decision whether he's going to run again while he's on this vacation. Do you think that's really a great idea? That if you're debating with probably your wife, your family, you're talking this out if you're going to run for president again to do it while you're sitting on a beach uh, out of the country that you want to lead? I mean, I know you've probably made a lot of really great decisions while you've yeah, had a cocktail well, a sitting cocktail on the beach. On the beach. Um, I, I, I think he's running. I think he's going to run again. Um, I think that I don't think Democrats want him to run again, FDR, but I don't know who else they have to run against whoever the GOP nominee will be. FDR excluded, I think you should have to prove that you can actually run a physical mile before you can run a presidential <laughs> campaign. <laughs> I don't think I'd be I, I don't think I'd pass that test. Nigel's out. <laughs> I'm sorry, man. I just like the get in shape president. They should have to pass the presidential fitness program. They make yeah. high schoolers pass it. Come on. I don't know. Who do you think could pass that? Could DeSantis? Ron DeSantis could. You think he could? That's right. Absolutely. He would just do 
do it. He's the man. He'd come sure back from the Virgin power. Islands. They'd just be the islands. Uh, what do you have coming up today, Nigel? Nigel Hammer's going to talk, call in and talk about yeah. that whole thing about 3.30. And yeah, I know you guys just got off the phone with Rob Kendall, but he's going to do an off-the-rails segment with us uh, later on this afternoon he's as well. He's working from home today. Yeah, he's hey, having fun. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, and thanks, by guys. the way, Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you. Yeah. It's the Kendall and Casey Show on 93 WIBC. Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time.